0: Thank you, right? Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? Statue? Who'd want to do that? Sequels suck. Two in the box! Ready to go!
1: We be fast and they be slow! Wow! A
0: second Super
1: Saiyan? Second in order, perhaps, but by no means in stature. Your fight is with me now! And when I kill you, I will have killed the last Jedi! Man, I can't fucking believe this. Another basement, another elevator the same shit happened to the same guy twice.
0: Oh, please, please. By definition alone, they're inferior films. Hello, my sequel those, uh, those are my followers' new nicknames that I am giving you all because if you're like me and you're a socialite, You're going to want to be a sequelite now, but this is your. That makes no sense, but real great start to the episode. Um, But it is your host here, Chris, for this podcast show, Inside the Sequel. This is the show where we talk about sequel movies that kind of get left um, or forgotten. Uh, They don't get the acknowledgement, recognition that they deserve. And we try to bring them to light and give them that appreciation and love, Um, except for today's episode. Today's episode is different because. We're not talking about an underappreciated sequel. We're not talking about a movie that's been forgotten because this is a movie I love to talk about when it's just past October now. It's we're in November, but I still miss the scary horror movies of October, but I want to get into the more pristine films that the quote-unquote Oscar season movies would be coming out at this time, and that is why we are talking about the 1991 Academy Award-winning film Silence of the Lambs.
1: You spook easily, Starling. Not yet, sir. He's past the others. The last cell. I'll be watching. You'll do fine. A killer is on the loose. Keeps them alive for three days. Then he shoots them, spins them, and dumps them. A rookie FBI agent is on his trail. He's
0: got real physical strength, cautious, precise, and he's never impulsive. He'll never stop.
1: But in order to track him down, she'll have to match wits. I'll help you catch him, Clarice. Believe me, you don't want Hannibal Lecter inside your head. With the darkest of all minds. Just do your job, and never forget what he is. Oh, he's a monster, pure psychopath. So rare to capture one alive.
0: So close to the way you're gonna catch him, do you realize that? Oh, Clarice, your problem is you need to get more fun out of life.
1: You told me you don't spook easily.
0: You call this easy, sir? Ah!
1: Lecter's missing hand arm. a raving maniac. Who knows what he'll do? Thank you, Clary.
0: Thank you. And to tackle this movie with me and some of its predecessors and sequels is none other than um, Returning Guest from the, from the Alien Covenant Um, podcast episode which was episode number two which I definitely recommend you listen to um, I have Phil here with me. Phil why don't you say hi again man.
1: Hey everybody it's great to be back.
0: Yes I'm so excited you're back here and I always knew I wanted to do more episodes with you because I think our tastes are very similar.
1: I think so too. Um, I just got to get you hooked on westerns (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: and game of thrones i just added more to the I list see,
1: right i've at least planted game of thrones in your brain so uh yeah uh, i will i will
0: well, say phil i did get sign up for a free trial of hbo max Ooh, okay and that is uh, game of thrones what is
1: it a one month
0: trial? <laughs> no they are so cheap it's only seven days seven
1: days
0: when yeah. did you on sunday
1: (laughs) damn it Uh, i had to check it out yeah but you've got like two days left to watch the entire first season of game of thrones or at least (laughs) the first episode watch episode and you should watch the second episode too (laughs) and then you're gonna want to get another month of hbo max which by the way is excellent i get it for free because i'm paying an embarrassingly huge amount for cable TV, but it's making me think I may be able to cut the cable cord just because so much. there's so much good stuff. They've even got Criterion films on HBO Max.
0: Yeah, dude, I saw that. I saw that there were so many different titles from other streaming services all on there. Like Netflix, I can't believe they're still in business with HBO Max existing now.
1: Yeah, I, it's going to be really interesting to watch because, frankly, I watch HBO Max way more than Netflix. I still watch Criterion Channel a lot. I'm sorry to get off topic here.
0: No, uh, I, we, don't, don't get was, me started on the, on the streaming wars. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's movies. Speaking of Criterion, you know what tomorrow is, don't uh, you?
0: Yeah, time of recording. It's the rumored, I think it's confirmed now, Barnes & Noble Criterion sale that's going to be happening.
1: Yeah, that's... that's the word uh i was reading that reddit a couple of people said that they actually called their local store and placed an order that they're going to actually pay for tomorrow but you know they got the person to like put their discs aside so that they'll be able to blow over to the store tomorrow and pick up the goodies uh nobody knows for sure yet whether the 10 percent member discount applies on top of the 50 percent
0: uh i heard they're gonna stop that now but the thing is i never signed up for it to begin with
1: okay well then no great loss i've (laughs) been able to get them to do it just by pointing it out you know like reminding
0: them yeah
1: but so we'll see. But like I said, that's way off the topic. So
0: well, let me ask you one question because this kind of does go with our discussion today. Silence of the Lamb has a Criterion release, yes, um, it as long as well with the standard release. But I really recommend that Criterion release because it's gorgeous and the transfer is beautiful. Um, but did you buy during that Criterion flash sale that had happened? I think just a month ago.
1: No, I bought it. I think I bought it a year ago during the November Barnes and Noble sale.
0: Uh, do you normally buy, like, do you participate in each criterion sale that happens though? Cause when that flash sale happened, I kept thinking, well, I already paid for my arrows because that's what I wanted first and foremost during that sale. So I was like, well, we have the Barnes and Noble sale and I mean, they're going, I feel like they're going down on the underside. So it's like, I'd rather give some money, I guess, to help them out longevity wise.
1: Yeah. I picked, I actually picked up seven, Criterions during the Flash sale (laughs) okay Nathan Jones yeah I know Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going to do it famous last words I was not going to do it but I'm trying to remember why I decided to do it Uh, do I need a reason to acquire more films Um, (laughs) no I don't Uh, there were a couple oh I know I do remember why I did it because much as I like to patronize Barnes and Noble They often sell out of titles like within a day or two, and you know online. And if your local store doesn't have the title, then you can end up being shit out of luck. Like like I I wanted I decided sort of late during the last one to get Come and See. Uh Oh, and by the time I decided I wanted it, I was actually in a store not where i live but um mm-hmm. i had to drive i just wanted to see what an, a store in a neighboring city had anyway i had it in my hands but i didn't know enough about it at that point to make a decision mm-hmm. and so I, didn't, I put it back on the shelf and, and uh two days later i decided i wanted it and it was too <laughs> so you know it I, I think part of it is the whole covid hoarding instinct too you know you're i i end up buying paper towels and other stuff like that in bulk that i never would have bought in bulk before and there's a part of my brain that's saying oh listen if you're stocking up on paper towels which aren't very exciting maybe you need to stock up on movies too which yeah i know it's ridiculous uh what can i tell you
0: but um boy am i on that train (laughs) it's like it's like just a, i budget just so i can get at least a month's worth of groceries maybe and then pay for my rent and utilities and i'm like the rest could be fun money right <laughs> not well, really but like i try to i like to pretend that's how it is because boy does a lot of it just go to just films
1: <laughs> well yeah and i've got to i'm here i am already talking about the Barnes and noble sale and <laughs> the next month i'm going to try to convince you the, that I really believe it when I say I've really got to control that. But, you know, you know, I'm not going to, um, I have never bought a criterion that I have regretted.
0: Wow. Interesting. Uh, Cause I know I have, well, I,
1: I, any blind buys I do are because somebody like you or Daniel or somebody else, you know, Mm -hmm. I watch a bunch of other guys on YouTube. And women, too. There's some really good female cinephiles who've got their YouTube channels going. Um, they like it. Then <laughs> it makes me predisposed to like it, I guess. And part of it is, look, I've paid 20 bucks for this. I damn yeah. well better like it. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So, yeah, getting circling the real long way back to your question. Yes, I bought the... Silence of the Lamb Criterion. Um, I did think about it at first, because my first, I had not seen it in a really long time. And when I first watched it, I was solely watching it because it's like a creepy horror film. Mm-hmm. In my mind, that's how I categorized it. But then I started reading all these reviews, and of course, everybody justifiably raves about it because it's, it's an incredibly excellent film. It's not really just a horror film. We can get into more, that more. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so the, review, and it, the reviews of the release were just phenomenal. And you are right. The image is amazing. Um, in fact, I found myself when, I'm, when I was watching it again, I found myself thinking, that looks like 4K. I mean, it really <laughs> is just incredibly good. So and then you know all the supplements. The commentary track's amazing. I even even made it through all the supplements. But yeah, that's that's one of the crown jewels in my Criterion collection.
0: Oh, good, absolutely, dude. I mean that booklet in there too is is a it's a pretty thick one, and I yeah, love that. I do. Too. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love when the production notebooks are in the releases. Not all of them have them. I notice a lot more digipacks have them um, to fill them up more. But I I love the Silence of the Lamb one because you get so much background information. And uh, Silence of the Lamb is a movie I love and I hold very near and dear to me. Um, And I always love talking about it and showing people the movie or recommending it because I think it's just... It's a movie I feel like it's for everyone. Everyone wants to be scared when they watch a movie I feel like, you know, growing up, going to theaters, you want to be scared, you know, and like see a horror movie. And it's rated R. But I think there's a like... It's timely, the acting is superb, the direction. Like, there's no weak point in the movie for me at all, you know?
1: No, and... i the same exact thing. I was trying to, you know, I watched all four of them in, like, three or four days. Of <laughs> course, I had to compare them, I had not seen Cannibal, Cannibal. I had not seen <laughs> Cannibal, which I found surprisingly good i i really actually like that one quite a bit
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: um i had seen red dragon but it was a really long time ago and it's it's good it's not great and then i'd never seen manhunter and i watched that one and well i already commented that one on that one in <laughs> that little twitter thing that i
0: yeah i saw that yeah
1: <laughs> but um yeah silenced lambs is by far the best one of the franchise i mean it's sort of like the silence of the lambs and oh then by the way you can see um you know you can see anthony hopkins in these other two other films You know, not as good but you know it's, it's entertaining but yeah it's um it's just like so far superior there's just not a flaw. I mean, I I was looking for something because they kept telling me it's so, oh oh you know you fall in love with the movie and then you keep watching it and you can't see the flaws and it's like well there really there are none mm-hmm. in my opinion. I mean it's it's pretty damn close to a perfect film I think.
0: Yeah, I would say so, too. I was probably way too young when I watched this movie. Um, <laughs> you know, I, the reason I saw it is because my dad, I don't know how the story makes sense, but I remember him always telling it to me in a way where he went to a theater and they were still showing, like, Dances with Wolves, you know, which won Best Picture in 1990. And then *Size of the Lamb came out in 91 and won Best Picture. I remember him, he was saying, like, he was at one of those those theaters were like they were showing like the previous best picture winner and he wanted to see da- dances with the wolves and my dad likes dances with the wolves and he was wanting to see it in theaters but um he saw that they were playing silence of the lambs and he said that sounds crazy and the line for dance with wolves is long so he just went into the theater that was playing silence of the lambs and he watched it and he said it was amazing and it was terrific and he said he'd never been more scared um in a theater at a time before and uh I, you know i i think i watched it when i was in eighth grade um, and my grandpa gave me the book freshman year because I love the movie so much. Um, and I think like my fascination with quoting was from Anthony Hopkins in that movie. <laughs> um, but I just absolutely fell in love with like, even at a younger age, I could understand um, silence of the lambs kind of like tenderness in a way. while it's like super terrifying all at once when you take it into a realistic like point of view, it's a very terrifying movie, you know, it's like just beyond just being a horror movie. Uh But the reason I wanted to talk about it today and have you on here, Phil, is because I've, I haven't talked about these movies in a long time and I wanted to watch something a little more pristine and I'm being um, very loose with the term sequel for this movie. I know, but you know, it's my podcast show and I want to talk about a movie I absolutely love. And, you know, I know it's not as like un unknown like as some of the other movies we're talking about but uh it reminds me of kind of like kind of like uh alien as a franchise where there's so many different installments and people like certain ones you know but we all agree that sounds lame is a good one you know um yeah. and you can hear arguments um for Uh, for Hannibal, not Hannibal, but for uh, Red Dragon and like Manhunter as well. Um, And that's the thing. So Manhunter came out in 1986, directed by Michael Mann.
1: Intruder entered through kitchen sliding door. Nationwide victims.
0: Yeah, this is Will Graham of the FBI. One killer. This
1: is what the subject's teeth look like. Seen blood on the moonlight like
0: well. William, you're going to make yourself sick or get yourself killed.
1: Multiple trails. Just you and me now, sport. One hunter. I'm going to find you, damn it. FBI agent Will Graham,
0: Manhunter. Uh, And that has Hannibal Lecter played by Brian Cox. And it has Will Graham, who we um, start to learn a little bit about. And then Hannibal Lecter isn't shown as intensely as uh, how Anthony Hopkins portrays later on because how the storyline works in these movies is Manhunter um, takes place years before Silence of the Lamb but Hannibal Lecter has already great gained fame as being this cannibal and he's helped he's helping Will the FBI director Will Graham in discovering who the killer of the quote-unquote tooth fairy is. Um and it has a very chilling opening. Um, and then you after that case is solved with the help of Hannibal Lecter he comes back in Silence of the Lamb. Um which is a very loose sequel and the reason I consider it a sequel is because Hannibal Lecter is still the character. It's acknowledged that this is granted, like in the title cards, his name is just Lecter. Um yeah. but in Silence of the Lamb, like you still have that character with those characteristics in there. Um, and to me, that makes sense, like as a sequel. And then when Red Dragon came out years after the original Silence of the Lamb came out, um, that is a direct prequel to Silence of the Lamb, and it's basically a remake of Manhunter. So then right. that told me, hey, this movie is a sequel.
1: It is. And it's also, you know, we wouldn't call it a prequel to Hannibal, but, um, you know, the four of them together are a franchise. I mean, there's, there's just no way around it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did. It's funny. When I was watching. Okay, first of all, I got to go back here. So besides Hannibal Lecter, and let's see. Okay, so Jack Crawford was in Red Dragon. And yeah, and he was in Manhunter too, wasn't he? For a little bit. So that character shows up in all three. I don't remember if he shows up in Hannibal.
0: No, he does not. Hannibal is a direct sequel to Silence of the Lamb. The okay. only thing is Clarice is replaced with um uh oh boy, I'm forgetting her name all of a sudden. Um the other redhead.
1: <laughs> Julianne Moore. Julianne that?
0: Moore, yeah. I thought oh,
1: wow. he did really well.
0: That's a directly that's a Ridley Scott directed film, too. Yeah.
1: And I'm a huge fan of Ridley Scott. Um,
0: you and I both, we already, this has been established. <laughs> yeah.
1: And that may be why I really liked Hannibal. Because basically in my book, Ridley Scott just can't do anything wrong. <laughs> right. And, um, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I found it, it's actually my second favorite one out uh, of the franchise. My problem with the first two, I mean, which are basically the same, but they are two separate ones. Uh, there were some scenes in Red Dragon that were phenomenal. And I actually thought I was going to like Manhunter more because the very first opening scene yes. shows the, um, Graham and Crawford sitting on a piece of driftwood on a plain beach sand was, you know, sandy beach and beach mm-hmm. sand um, with a gorgeous shot of the Atlantic Ocean. And it's just the cinematography blew me away, and his use of color throughout the film, I thought was—I don't know if he's using colored lights or lens filters or what he was doing—but he used color in a way that was really evocative and powerful. Where I ran into a problem with it after a while, and I thought the acting was was really good. Where I ran into a problem with it was those damned. 80s fashions and the 80s hair and worst of all the 80s music yeah the synthesizers a of 80s music and i I'm, I'm just going to tell you um, the 80s have not worn well <laughs> you know i can watch a movie from the 70s and just kind of lose myself in it uh, uh, same with the 90s same with the 60s 50s 30s whatever the 80s it just looks really dated. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll get over that eventually. But...
0: Uh oh, uh oh, the internet's gonna come after you now, Phil. You better watch out. Oh, well, <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, that really—that was my biggest complaint about the movie. Which I know is real surfacey, but what can I tell ya? you?
0: The thing with Manhunter is like, okay, so I like the story of Manhunter. The Tooth Fairy character is very interesting like the concept design for him. And that's what these movies have that I think are great is like the antagonists, quote unquote, besides Lecter are pretty interesting, you know, yeah, they are. And I like this portrayal of Will Graham way more than Edward Norton's in red dragon. Um, he, he I, just, he feels perfect for that kind of role. You yeah, know, I, he
1: was, he was, you know, I'm a big fan of Edward Norton. Um, but that by far is not his best film i don't think he failed at it Mm -hmm. but i agree i can't think of the other actor's name right now but he felt it it didn't feel as if he was acting and i just kept thinking with ed norton he's like acting
0: yeah Yeah. and especially for that kind of tone of a movie he feels authentic you know and like the the con the 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 story in Manhunter and Red Dragon is the this character, Will Graham, he's investigating this murder and he has a backstory with Hannibal Lecter. It's basically a prototype to what Claire Reese and Hannibal will have in Sands of the Lamb. Um, but the thing is, I like Will Graham's portrayal in Manhunter more because the can the Hannibal Lecter character played by Brian Cox is a softer, not softer, but like he's not as Flamboyant as Anthony Hopkins is. Does that what? make sense? Absolutely. Um, He's not as scary. Right. He's more of a psychopath that's super intelligent. But he used to get more of the intelligence of it, more of a philosophical type. Yeah. And and I think that works for Michael Mann's movie because when Michael I've always said it, Michael Mann is a great director, but the thing is his movies are long and you know yeah. his style 100% when you watch his movies. It's yeah. with I mean, I I can't think of a time when I've watched a Michael Mann movie and thought this is different. They all like have this stamp of approval from Michael Mann. Whether you're watching Thief or you're watching Public Enemy, or Heat, you know, like he makes great movies. But man, they are at least two and a half hours, probably long. Um, they have great actors in them, um, but they all kind of have like this. He can't get past the Miami Vice kind of style, you know. Well.
1: And that may have been the vibe I was picking up on with the color, his use of color, which I actually, as I said, I actually did like. Mm-hmm. But also the whole music vibe, the whole that whole part of it is
0: yeah. The vibe is it's it, definitely depicted the same in most of his movies, I would say.
1: And they, his pacing is interesting. I wouldn't call it sluggish,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: it to me there were more slow passages than in any of the other three it just it, it wasn't as consistently paced in my opinion but... yeah
0: what michael mann does at least what i've noticed when i watched his movies and let's see I, i've seen this now and i've seen thief i've seen um heat public enemies um i feel like i'm missing one more movie uh but Every time I see his movies, I'm always like he gives you this false sense of security with the protagonist even though these protagonists are like in dangerous situations throughout movies, you know? Like Thief, you think James Caan is going to get away with it, but boy does that third act kind of like take that away from you. Same thing is uh Heat, you know, you think maybe Robert De Niro is going to get away with things, but then you're like, "Oh, what about Al Pacino?" and like, "Boy, Val Kilmer makes everything hard," you know? And then yeah. Public Enemies, you think Johnny Depp's going to get away, but Christian Bale is just too smart. You know, it's just like, it's just the same kind of structure, which isn't oh, bad, but like it's definitely a like Walmart. a Michael Mann thing. And yeah. you get, but I think it fits well for Manhunter.
1: I do too. I, I'm i not kidding. If the music had been, <laughs> I mean, if they like redubbed the soundtrack. Right. I, I could get past the, the, Oh, he, wa- he wore, this sounds so shallow, but he wore a sport coat with like a dark shirt and a sport coat was like all, I don't know, fabric-y. It had like, looked like it had it looked like fucking macrame. I mean, it wasn't, but that's what it looked like. And <laughs> I just did it and I thought that is just, anybody seeing that would know exactly not exactly the year, but certainly the decade in which it was, in which it was made. So I, you know, I'm probably being way too hard on it. There were a lot of good things about it. I, I, I did think there were some really powerful moments in red dragon that overall made me like it a little bit more than Manhunter. And mm-hmm. one of them was, and I'm sure you noticed this, um, When Will Graham goes to see Hannibal Lecter for the first time and has sort of a thing, you know, where um, Lecter says, Leave me alone for an hour, and I need like total privacy to look over the file. And so Will Graham goes back up to the waiting room and he takes his sport coat off. His dress shirt is soaked underneath the armpits. and at first i i thought okay that's just a shadow or something so i rewound it went right up to the tv and it was all like oh no he was so terrified that he sweated through his shirt. and i thought okay that's i haven't i don't see that often you know um and it was it was sort of subtle i mean it was subtle enough that i had to walk up to the TV to stare at it to make sure it wasn't just shadows. And oh no, he was, and it was like major. And I thought, okay, that is, that's so much more eloquent than words or him having a terrified expression on his face. That's just like, you know, we can all relate to that. I, I haven't done that very often because I haven't been face to face with Hannibal Freaking Lecter, Sorry. but, you know, you could see why it would happen. And I, I was really impressed with that. I don't know why, but I thought eh.
0: Yeah, I, I think th- see that's what's interesting about this. Um I don't know, it's basically the Lecter f- franchise at this point. He's I to me with Silence of the Lamb, if you just kept that movie by itself, it's you can compare it to something like Thirty One's Dracula or Frankenstein or like you know, these early monster movies, because yeah. they're not necessarily in it the entire movie but like man like they are the most iconic parts of these movies you know like technically um the doctor frankenstein in 31's dracula or sorry in uh in the frankenstein movie uh by James Whale like he's not Boris Karloff's not in it as much as um doctor frankenstein same thing in um lugosi's uh, dracula you know and and a lot of these other movies like the movie's called alien but the alien isn't an alien nearly as much as um sigourney weaver's character is or any Thanks. of these other things but like hannibal is barely in silence of the lamb but he's because it's all about clear east and it's about this this murder mystery which i think is great but that's when i think that's when i rewatched silence of the Lamb, that's what i really thought because now that i've seen some of these movies now i'm like he really belongs in the pytheon of these kind of characters like i think with pop culture, he's more relevant because people love to quote Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs, but when yeah. you really think about just this movie by itself at that point, that's what you can compare it most often to. Now, for me, having seen some of these sequels and such as well earlier on, I can't just think of Silence of the Lambs by itself, you know?
1: No, no, I agree. It's, you know, when you were just saying what you said and kind of comparing to Alien, as well as a couple of you know, real early horror flicks, the thing about that they all have in common, and I don't think I'm ex- exactly repeating your exact words, but what I'm, what I'm hearing and what I'm thinking is, even when you don't see Lecter or the other, you know, bad guy, the titular bad mm-hmm. guy, you're, he's always in the back of your mind. You're just waiting for him to either appear or be mentioned or kill somebody off screen because that's that's like who without them, there wouldn't be a movie. That's the whole and, they, and they're the like constantly asserting their power just because they're such strong personalities. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I mean. When you when you texted me that you were like comparing it, not comparing it, but seeing similarities between it and the alien movies. At first, I thought, what? But as you just explained it, you're right. You don't see the alien, but you never forget about him. It's sort of Mm. like he could appear at any moment and he is totally lethal. Or she whichever and out of control and there'll be at least one dead person at the end of any scene with him in it which isn't exactly true with silence of the lambs but then he sort of makes up for it in that scene on the fifth fourth floor or whatever it is of that big <laughs> corpse, where i mean that that may be one of my favorite sequences in the whole movie.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a movie moment that never has left my mind ever, you know? Yeah. The the The, the lighting, the score, the situation I had is just so terrific, and the buildup is such a great payoff. And it's the first time, because I had seen this movie before even, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, the quote-unquote leather face, you know? Yeah. The one... I think the one other time I'd seen a movie where a character throws another person's face on them is probably (laughs) Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses. I'm the one who brings the Christmas candy.
1: Not tell me. Who's your daddy? I'm the one who brings the devil's brandy.
0: Who's your daddy?
1: I'm the one who beats you when you're bad.
0: Who is your dad? mostly <laughs>
1: but yeah um i had forgotten that he actually like physically put put the other face on him and of course all i could think of when i was watching that part was eyes without a face although that didn't happen it was in eyes without a face that doesn't that same exact thing doesn't happen. Mm-hmm.
0: But, oh gosh but you're so right I know where you're going with it but you're so right <laughs>
1: <laughs> Um, And which Added to the horror because Eyes without a face oh my god I think that's One that I don't remember Where I heard about it it might have been Daniel but wherever I Heard about it, it might even been you I, don't, I honestly Yeah
0: don't yeah Daniel Had me on for an episode where we did a Criterion triple feature on dark uh, black and white films I believe it was and we talked about Eyes Without a Face um, and I had bought it and watched it and I told him like dude you would eat this movie up and he did watch it and loved it and we're both such great fans of it and I think most people who do end up giving this movie a chance and watching it end up loving it because it is terrific
1: it really is but yeah that's what I mean that movie Eyes Without a Face made a huge impression on me because Mm -hmm. it's art horror movie it's not just i mean there's there's so much there and in that respect i think it is sort of i mean it's nothing like overall it's nothing like silence of the lambs mm-hmm. but they're they are just sort of like a, a class above or a step above a lot of other horror movies because there's there's just so much more there than just a series of you know slashing scenes there's nothing wrong with that don't get me right. wrong but it, there is so much going on in both of them and oh my gosh it just dawned on me now as I was watching Silence of the Lambs one of the things that I kept thinking about was Clarice was surrounded by men who were older than she was and they were all trying to control her.
0: Mm.
1: Starting with oh. her boss, Crawford.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And then the disgustingly creepy Dr. Chilton.
0: Oh, Chilton. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and within the like first three minutes of meeting her, he was hitting on her mm-hmm. and then trying to throw his way around. he was basically treating her like a totally incompetent, and then Hannibal Lecter made all those cutting remarks about her perfume and you know her cheap purse mm-hmm. and whatever. Uh, although their relationship actually became more healthy than her relationship with Chilton, um, and that Chilton was such a—I mean, he, he's such a, a what? Oh, he's a monster, a pure psychopath so rare to capture one alive. From a research point of view, Lecter is our most prized asset. You know, we get a lot of detectives here, but I must say I can't ever remember one as attractive. Will you be in Baltimore overnight? Because this can be quite a fun town if you have the right guide. You know, when I was watching uh, this this last time around and he pulled all of his sleazy stuff behind the facade of you know all of his his suit and his education and all the rest and then when she's leaving and megs does his little
0: oh boy megs
1: (laughs) his little um his little remark well his little remark and then she's walking out He tosses. I won't discuss the details, but you know, yeah, he's you know, throwing a little bit of himself right into her hair, yeah. uh, Um, which is so gross. Uh, that reminded me of that movie, (laughs) There's Something About (laughs) (laughs) Jerry. I know I'm sick. What can I tell you?
0: No, uh, I, I love it. It's, it's just, it's a movie. I think it, it just for Academy award winner. It, people would be like, Oh my gosh, it's so repulsive in some aspects, but I love it.
1: Well, it, it, it freaked me out the first time I saw it. But I, as I was thinking about it, I thought, okay, so that's disgusting. And Meg's of course gets in his, his comeuppance as Chilton gets his comeuppance later. Mm-hmm. But I thought, at least Megs is overt about his objectification of Clarice, whereas Chilton thinks he's being real subtle and smooth. And I'm thinking, especially with some of the stuff Chilton does later in the movie, I was thinking, Chilton is another monster. He's just not as appealing. I mean, nobody can empathize with him at all but Lecter, you don't necessarily empathize with him but he's charming you know there's a part of him that is appealing (laughs) that's not true with children at all
0: yeah and and what was i gonna say about that i was gonna um yeah children childress is is such a incel when it comes to clearies you know like yeah. he's like, oh my gosh, my queen! Like you're so gorgeous. We've never had someone as attractive as you as this facility before. Soon as she rejects him and shows she's all business, he's just like, well, you know what? Screw you or whatever. I don't even <laughs> like you. You know. <laughs> Like exactly. Yeah, which yeah, which love is it. funny because like in these monster movies that are early on, there's so many simp guys in these movies, you know, for these girls. And then in these later 90s movies, there's a bunch of like these incel toxic guys. Um basically men, we gotta do better, right? Um but I just love when you think about silence of the lamb, I'm a I'm a, I'm gonna say it here. Um it's hard to like I love doing this podcast, but I, and I love sequels to death, but like another part of me is I absolutely love Academy award winning, um, pictures or nominated pictures. I love the Academy and the glam, but I love like the prestige of it all. Um, and with science of the lambs being a winner, it always makes me happy because it com- brings the best of all my worlds together. You know, it's like, it's kind of a sequel. It's a horror movie in a way. It doesn't pull any punches, but it's also a very well-made movie and it stands with its peers. You know what I mean? And, oh, yeah. uh, cause it's like the exorcist was nominated for best picture when it first came out. And that is compared to the movies at that time is just like completely baffling, but it's such a well-made movie. Um, and I, I know some people don't like the exorcist and that's fine. I like it. Um, I think some parts don't work now. Look at watching it, but man, I remember that first watch and absolutely loving it. Same thing with silence of the lamb. Um, And the other thing, so, like, we were talking about, you know, Red Dragon and Manhunter being, like, a remake, so, like, they're prequel movies in a way, um, and Red Dragon, I would say, is just a straight-up remake, just for the record, because I know Manhunter originally was gonna be called Red Dragon based on the book from Thomas Harris, but the studios thought Red Dragon at that time sounded like a Japanese film, which I guess is kind of racist, and, um, uh, they wanted it to change, so they decided to call it Manhunter because, I guess, you know, makes sense to call it that in a way. But and then when Silence of the Lamb came out, you know, from the book adaptation from Thomas Harris again, I mean, this movie broke waves. I don't even know if people saw Manhunter um, when it came out as much as they probably did when Silence of the Lambs came out. But I think it's a perfect storm. And that's why I think it's such a great monumental film. It came out in 90 one. So the early nineties and you're getting and it, you know, you get so many like investigative things. So like your CSI move like TV shows and your law and orders, like these early, like criminal investigation stuff. Um, And then you get like the X files, you know, that one's more sci-fi, but it's horror in it's aspects and it. It has investigations. And I think like silence of the lamb in a way kind of brought audiences, the fascination with forensics. And I think it's it's I think it was successful in that way because part of this movie is Claire Reese digging up files and figuring. That's how you learn about Hannibal Lecter. If you didn't see Manhunter when this movie was first coming out, you will not know much about Hannibal unless you, the characters had been talking about him. And then you find it through the investigations of what Claire Reese is trying to find out about him. Um, and I think that really ushers in a different era of like, just like entertainment in general, you know.
1: Yeah, that's really perceptive. I agree with that. I had not thought about it that way. But, I mean, it is it is it it is a b- whole bunch of different genres kind of rolled into one. Um, but, you know, forensic, you know, like, yeah, that's, what do they call it? Almost like a police procedural. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a psychological thriller. It's also definitely a horror film. Yeah. I think you can make good case that it's a feminist film.
0: 100%.
1: So, which is why it has held up so well. Mm-hmm. It's, I guess maybe that was one of the things I noticed about, especially the, the first two in comparison to Silence of the Lambs. Okay. So it was made in 91, which isn't that long after 1985. Um, but it still look, it doesn't look dated.
0: No, it doesn't. It looks great at all. Uh,
1: I didn't really pay that much attention to the cars because, well, you know, cars can date a movie for better or for worse. Um, sometimes it's a plus, but the fact that I didn't even notice them tells me that it was not an issue. And that gets to another thing that i think is very powerful that film was edited perfectly there is literally not a dull moment no it's just i mean the pacing was just just right at least for me it wasn't too fast wasn't too slow um you know the first time i saw it i missed some things the way you do the first time you see any movie but it And I think by the second or third time I viewed it, it was like, okay, not only do I know what's going on, but I'm picking up on all the little clues, all the little foreshadowings that were in there. And, you know, I, I like it when a movie is like that, where you discover stuff, the second, third, fourth viewing, but it's not so obscure that you're still scratching your head after you've seen it five times.
0: Oh, yeah. And I think the terror works throughout the movie as well. Upon multiple rewatches, I always get squeamish. I always go like, man, that's kind of scary. Like, so like very, you know, I'm going to just say it out now. Now, I love the story of Silence of the Lamb because um, it works well. But I think it also... If they were, since they ended up doing a franchise, at the time Jonathan Demme, the director of Silence of the Lambs, who did a phenomenal job, he he didn't know this at the time that they were going to do a Hannibal and then a, sequ- a prequel sequel in Hannibal Rising, but all of these movies after Silence of the Lambs, I guess you could say Manhunter did it first, um, is that they kind of try to make like redo the same formula of Silence of the Lamb, you know? Yeah. So like it's always Hannibal Lecter being. A character, but he's not the main character, you know, like he's always helping an investigator in solving this kind of like this, this case, you know, because there's another Hannibal Lecter type out on the loose, you know, it's kind of like Blade Runner where, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a noir film where this guy is hunting the, the even better replicant, the yeah. <laughs> replicants, you know? Um, and I think that's a problem for these prequel sequel moves that end up coming out like red dragon um, more or less than what cause manhunter is a very similar story to Silence of the lamb. I think there there's a lot more differences in it, but I think cause red red dragon has Anthony Hopkins in it and it's just trying so much to do. It's kind of like these are, this is a movie for people who didn't see manhunter, but I'm going to make it so close to what people had seen a sounds of the lamb. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, Um, I completely agree. It's basically the same story um, with, and they actually use Dr. Yeah. So Chilton was the same actor. Of course, Anthony Hopkins. And what, mm -hmm. so what stuck out to me, this is another thing about Red Dragon, because it was made after Silence of the Lambs, of course. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) so Dr. Chilton, even though, it was supposed to have taken place before *Silence of the Lambs*. Doctor mm-hmm. and Anthony Hopkins both looked older and a lot heavier, like a lot. Yeah. And that was a, a metal block for me. I had to, just, <laughs> and again, I know I'm going to sound really shallow, but it was sort of like, okay, I am willing to s- suspend my disbelief because, you know. It, it's a prequel it's supposed to have happened before silence of the lambs but you know they justifiably want to use the same actors for at least a few of the roles and mm-hmm. you know people don't grow younger they don't look younger after five years or ten years or however many
0: what are you talking about the-, the irishman did that
1: <laughs> i haven't seen that yet
0: Oh boy. They're talking about a criterion sale. Pick up the Irishman, man. They, okay. did you know that Robert De Niro and Al Pacino and Joe Pesci all look young now?
1: Compared to what?
0: Compared to how they, they used to look. I, it's a joke. Cause they do the de-aging process in that oh, Irishman. Movie. Oh, like, oh, okay.
1: Well, you know,
0: that technology isn't there for red dragon, but no, we're supposed it's to believe younger, you know, um, in a, you know,
1: it, it didn't it wasn't that big a deal it's just that once i noticed it then it was hard for me to not sort of like not snicker about it but it was it's sort of like i don't know um i mean what are you going to do about it you yeah they uh, All right,
0: right cuz i mean boy was silence of the lambs such a popular movie when it came out cuz that book was so successful
1: that was um, good i actually read the book too
0: same same i love the book and it's it is such a close adaptation as well from a book to a movie it's pretty darn close like i know thomas harris had some issues with the movie but i mean what author doesn't have issues when their book becomes a movie um but there's a lot of similarities to it which i enjoyed um But yeah, I think Red Dragon, it's keeping it in this Hopkins universe for the Silence of the Lambs movies with this Lecter character, because Red Dragon came out a year after Hannibal, which came out 2001. And that one feels like a truer sequel, because at the end of Silence of the Lambs, when Lecter escapes and chows down on uh, Childress, he escapes and changes his name and face um, to um, someone else, and he's just—he's also a doctor, but he's in Rome now. And this is when, like, the lore of Hannibal kind of expands, which I like. That's why Hannibal, I think, works—I think a lot better than what Red Dragon does, which I don't think most people liked Hannibal. Um, but that movie came out in 2001, so nine, uh, 10 years after the first movie. And then you get Red Dragon the next year after Hannibal, because, I mean how else are you going to ne- do the next movie if not go back. But I liked Hannibal because it progresses the story in a natural way. Whereas at uh, sounds of Lamb ends like in a really great way and you don't have to make any more movies after that ending. Cause it's perfect. It's oh. such a great ending, but Hannibal yeah. it's kind of, it works because Lecter has escaped to Rome. Now changes his face and his name. Um, he keeps the nose and, um, he lives in Rome now and he he's doing, you know, doctor work still, but he's hiding. And um, man, the makeup in that movie is so good. Um, and Julianne Moore is, you know, here to do some like basically what East did in Silence of the Lambs in a way, you know, but it, it feels different. And that's what I liked about it. I feel like Hannibal probably didn't do well and people wanted like, why don't you just give me more kind of Silence of the Lambs in a way? And then they just decided the next year to do red dragon and basically a prequel but it almost exactly close to the same as what a Lamb would have been minus the good stuff I would say I agree um, but then you get Hannibal rising in 2007 so uh, six years after that which is insane that they were still making these movies <laughs> I have
1: not seen that one what's your opinion about it
0: um I've actually only gotten like a quarter of the way through that movie. Um, it takes, pl- I just do know it's seen even earlier prequel movie. So it takes place before even Manhunter. Cause it talks about Hannibal's rise, like his, his, his childhood and his, um, his, and it's a not Anthony Hopkins, uh, film. And it's about him during world war two and like how he was educated and he grew up and his first taste for flesh and such. And that's all I kind of remember. Um, oh. yeah, it's not very well made, <laughs> Um, but Hannibal, I thought, was a pretty serviceable sequel. Um, obviously, this is the show where we talk about that, so I think um, maybe in another episode we'll talk about Hannibal from 2001. Uh, but it has Ray Liotta in a really interesting scene of him eating his brain.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that whole um, yeah, the whole sequence where he that was another one. That's that's where he like sliced off top Mm
0: -hmm. of the head yeah
1: yeah I think that's when I decided I really liked the movie (laughs)
0: because
1: it was just so I mean really almost unbelievable but again I was willing to believe it
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I don't I don't know if you can actually take somebody's I guess you could they do brain surgery (laughs) It it's just it was so freaking weird. I mean, it it made me think. Okay, this is really cool. I like this, and I did. I do think that Julianne Moore did a really good job, and I liked the chemistry between her and Anthony Hopkins.
0: Yeah, and and at that time, it's still believable in terms of like the storyline of Hannibal Lecter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which I mean, if there's sequel movies that don't like. Makes sense, you know. I'm always very forgiving of it, obviously. Um, but Silence of the Lamb, it it feels different. I can't compare Silence of the Lamb in these movies, um, with like something of like a Friday the 13th or a Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, where like retconning and moving on from the next movie in the timeline, you know, it doesn't matter because the movies are really fun and they're great, you know. With Silence of the Lambs and the Hannibal, I guess, franchise, I feel like there has to be a little bit more effort put into them because i think silence of the lambs is just such a monumental film you know
1: it really is and it's yeah it is it's it's one of those movies that's i mean one of the definitely a totally worthy winner of best picture which as we know is not always the case yeah. um, and. I mean, well, let's say it. I mean, sometimes the Academy just nails it. And mm-hmm. sometimes they don't. But, yeah, that um, that's a movie that, I mean, you can just watch it as many times as you want to. And it gets better each time. And you are right. You said earlier that the terrifying scenes, if anything, to me, they become a little more terrifying because even though you know what to expect, even though you know it's coming, you're able to actually pay attention to some of the details that you may not have picked up that add, actually add to the horror. Um, that you were so overwhelmed by the horror the first two or three times, that's all you could take in. But on, on subsequent viewings, you can focus in on some of the little things that make it even more terrifying. I don't know if that makes any sense
0: but uh i mean kinda i would say it does because um talk about a movie that fits so much iconic cinema inside one movie like so many quotes so many scenes you know so many parts of a movie that get copied in other adaptations later on yeah i just think like i don't know how they could have done that but they did and it it's, it works so well um you know what was interesting, though, um, about Silence of the Lamb was that it was released on Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh, my God. When it first was released, which is, one, it's crazy to think a movie like that would be released on Valentine's Day. But the second thing is, it's right before the freaking Oscars <laughs> in the grand wow. scheme of it.
1: Wow. I wasn't aware of that at all.
0: Yeah, that, it's it's yeah. like, okay, what do you watch during, like, Valentine's Day? Like, you could watch, you know, My Bloody Valentine, but you can also now watch Silence of the Lambs.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I mean, there's plenty of red in it. <laughs> <laughs> that scene, um, <laughs> that scene on the, in the, I don't know if it's a courthouse or wherever, it's in, I think it's in Tennessee, you know, where they are holding him after he's been lugged down there by Chilton to talk to the senator you know the female senator and then instead of just flying him back they put him in that little like you know jail cell and he is now I lost track of what I was saying oh he (laughs) okay and this brings up a question this is when he finally uses that little teeny metal piece from Dr. Chilton's cross mm-hmm. pen that he obviously snagged off of it when Chilton left it in Lecter's cell. Right. So what I want to know, where did Lecter hide that little metal piece on his person for all that time?
0: Oh, he left it in his mouth, I think, didn't he? He kept it in his mouth for
1: that whole time. Because.
0: I mean, I don't know. This is a guy who uses his bare teeth to like eat flesh.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, Yeah. I mean, and he was a he was a doctor, so he could have like shoved it under his skin somewhere. And, you know. (laughs) but i mean he would have had to eat. well maybe they maybe they didn't search him like body search him maybe they just slapped that you know that mask on his face and figured he was immobilized
0: and, oh god that oh, no. mask is beautiful i love I, it <laughs> it's just <laughs> Uh, one year I dressed up as Hannibal Lecter for Halloween. I had the mask. I wore, I had like the straps around me. He was great. Daniel was dressed up as Jason and our friend <laughs> Seth had dressed up as Ash from Evil Dead and staffed Daniel's wife dressed up as uh, Freddy Krueger. It was a really fun um, group. <laughs> <laughs> <That> <laughs> there might be a picture floating around somewhere of that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that sounds classic. Yeah. So, okay. Now, He had more than one kind of headgear put on him during the film. When Chilton was talking with him in the cell, telling him about his upcoming trip to see the senator, Mm -hmm. um, Lecter had literally like a a metal cage over his face without the leather part, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it was squishing his nose I mean, he looked really undignified and which would have bothered him more than it would have bothered anybody else. Um, so then they switched him into that other one, the one with the, like the leather and the little metal bars over his teeth. I think it's far more terrifying.
0: Oh um, yeah. Cause he can also talk when he's in that and his. The way he talked to his the senator like that it was just so so gross, but also devilishly good.
1: Yeah, I mean she was she was not an altogether sympathetic character, and they did the the film did that a lot. I mean, when he was alone with Chilton, and I'm thinking, who would I rather be near? No, well, not near. Um, who would I rather spend time with behind a you know, like totally safe glass bulletproof barrier. It was not Chilton because Chilton's a jerk. Mm -hmm. And whatever Lecter is, he's not a jerk. Uh, he's conversationalist, uh, a real gourmet. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Uh, I think, but that's part of like the, the scariness of Lecter is he's so smart and manipulative, but he also is like, he gaslights like he was gaslighting Clarice throughout the entire movie. Um, and like making her feel like talking about her trauma, you know, and bringing closure that she has suppressed and hid from people to make her more vulnerable, you know, but then I think she proves Lecter wrong. And I think that's such a fascinating relationship that they have is she proves him wrong. And how that's why he's like, I'm not going to go after you Clarice, at the end because the world's more interesting with you in it. You know, it's kind of like a, it's like a uh, like the Seven Seal type of thing with Maxim Snowden beating, uh, trying to play chess with the devil, you know? It's like meeting your match, you know?
1: I think he really liked her. I mean, not like erotically or well, maybe, but, um,
0: yeah, I don't know. I think it establishes that he might have been like asexual or he might have been, um, had a had a male lover i'm not sure if that movie the movie had specified that or not um yeah
1: i i i don't remember for sure but he might have but yeah i'll have to because
0: i thought because he knew buffalo bill at one point and the buffalo bill's character is another complex beast in itself and it's very fascinating that's why he works so well on this movie. I think way more than the Tooth Fairy in the Red Dragon Manhunter um, films. Um, oh, much
1: more complex and
0: yeah. In yeah. uh, that iconic scene with um with Buffalo Bill, that wasn't even in the script. That was that was something he the character the actor wanted to do. And no, we um, Jane. Uh, uh, J- James Gumble or yeah. Gump, I think, was the, oh. char- the actor's name. Gump. Um, he wanted to do it, and it like because if I remember correct, he thought it was like more authentic to the character. Because up until that point, he was like, "We know he's uh, why Buffalo Bill is doing these things," but he's like, he wanted to make it unique, and he, I guess, apparently like, took like a drink and did the dance himself.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, so Talking about the dance, yeah, that was. I remember the first time I saw that. And... I was so
0: confused and scared and like <laughs> in all
1: all at once. You know? Yeah. Um I had no idea what what the hell to make of it the first time I saw it. Um, it was so totally unexpected. Um, yeah. and you did a great job of it.
0: Oh, 100%. I also like the scene near the end in the climax where he's wearing the the night vision goggles. Oh yeah. That scene still terrifies me. There are parts of the times in my life where I'm walking through the dark and I sometimes think about that scene and it terrifies me. (laughs) It is terrifying
1: (laughs) because we're seeing it from his point of view.
0: Yeah, which is brilliant. It was so smart to do it that way. It
1: really is. Um, Yeah, that that. Well, that whole that whole sequence. And I remember the first time I watched the film, I was confused. Because the, cut, the cuts between Crawford and his crew, and they were in a like, totally different city.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And, but we didn't know yet that the house that they were approaching, you know, they had the box of flowers and all that. Mm-hmm. As far as we were concerned, that's where James Gunn was. Because they were cutting back and forth between the interior with Jane gum and the exterior with Crawford and his gang who were like several hours away, I believe. Yeah. We, as the audience had no way of knowing that we, we thought they were there like seconds away from saving the situation. And then all of a sudden it became clear Oh, they aren't where they need to be, and Clarice is in a whole boatload of trouble. Um, but yeah, that that is shot. Really, that was shot really brilliantly. And then the whole interior, his where he lived. I mean, oh my god, the details. It was so like rundown, but it was ordered to it because he had imposed this weird, it was like a shrine to his transformation. And then of course the whole metaphor with the transformation of, I think they were actually moths, not butterflies, but whatever they were. Um, and his transformation, you know, from his current form mm-hmm. to his new form.
0: Oh man, there's just so
1: much in that movie.
0: Mm-hmm. it is so great. I love this movie just talking about it. I just I literally can picture the scenes in those movies. And that's why I love it and that's why I want to just talk about it because um yeah, we know Silence of the Lamb is is a great wonderful movie and and it it has the accolades to prove it, the critical reception, the pop culture references to for it. Um but, you know, I think that's good to like sometimes these movies that are well regarded To take a moment to also appreciate them again you know um and especially when you think about sequels and like on this show we want to highlight you know the the movies that don't get the deserve a recognition they got initially or now and you know for sure but man like there's there are times where it's like man can we just like appreciate silence of the lambs for a quick second again please because it's never a bad time to um And especially since now we're not getting an Oscars or I don't know what they're doing for the Oscars, you know, and especially after the heels of watching Scream 2 um, this past month on one of our episodes and that scene where they talk about um sequels being surpassing um the originals and yeah. the olifant's character talks about um the godfather part two you know the oscar-winning exception and i'm like yeah let, and that scene has always got me thinking let me think about sequel movies that have won best pictures and there's not that many but boy like i mean once i started putting it together that like oh you know what silence of the lambs is a sequel because if you just think about it, a lot of times most people might think of it as, like, Silence of the Lambs and then Hannibal and then Hannibal Rising, you know? Yeah. And then they'll be like, well, but then there's Red Dragon, which is a prequel sequel, and it's that weird gray area, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think it belongs up there, is like up there with Godfather 2, you know, R- Return of the King. Um, you know, we've had a few nominated ones throughout the years. I mean, you get, like, Toy Story 3, Um, that was up there technically, uh, I'm trying to think of a few off the top of my head without the research, because that's the poor host that I am. (laughs) Um,
1: well, you can't research it too much or it's not fun.
0: (laughs) That's right. That's right. Um, uh, but boy, like I just, when I was like talking to you about wanting to do this episode. I just was like, can I just have a, an excuse on this show just to like gush about a well-regarded movie that I absolutely love, you know?
1: <laughs> absolutely. I, I totally agree. Um, and I mean, it meets the criteria and it's, I mean, it's just such a, it deserves a little conversation. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And, I'm really glad you said it because the last time I watched it was when I got the criterion, which was, I believe about a year ago. So it'd been about a year and sure enough, I'm watching it. It's like, I'm discovering new stuff. And then I got hooked into going back and, you know, (laughs) watching the other three, but yeah, um, I'm really glad you suggested it. I, I, I enjoyed watching it and it's been a lot of fun to talk with you about it and you're right i think we do have a lot of common things that we like about movies and that's always fun so
0: yes and for those who are listening if you're interested in like seeing these movies um silence of the land like Phil and I said you can get a standard Blu-ray, which isn't bad, but I really think it's worthy of the splash to get the, the criterion edition. It's really gorgeous. Um, and you can get that up with this upcoming sale coming on for the whole month of November. Um, and then for Manhunter, you can get it as a screw uh, screen factory release. Um, I don't know how else you could really get it. I, that's the only way I've ever known you can buy the movie, um, through a Blu-ray release. You can stream it. I'm sure. Red Dragon and all the other films you can also get on Blu-ray. Now, honestly, uh, I didn't know it till recently, but Hannibal has a Kino Lorber release. Do you know about that, Phil?
1: Yeah, it's 4K.
0: Yeah, uh, I was surprised. I, I mean, I don't know if I'd splash the money <laughs> on I, Hannibal like that. But, I mean, if you like the movie, it's not the worst movie ever. Um, it'd be cool yeah, to have it in your shelf.
1: I don't own it. And I think what I'll I'm trying to remember how I watched it. It must have been on some streaming service.
0: I think I, they're on Netflix, honestly. I, I remember them being mostly on Netflix. I know
1: Red Dragons on Netflix, Hannibal's on Netflix. I could not find um Manhunter free, so I bought it from iTunes. It was like $699 or something. And it's you know, I like my physical media, but it's actually <laughs> a really good HD streaming, you know, release. And I'm glad I bought it because I've actually gone back to it. I, I don't generally rent them on the off chance that I'm going to want to go back like three weeks later and look at it mm-hmm. and rent it. That's sorry, you got like 48 hours to watch it and then <laughs> on. Um so anyway yeah uh they're all readily available one way or the other.
0: Right. And that's what's great about this franchise. You can get access to these very easily. Um but yeah, Phil, thanks man so much for giving me the time um to get to talk to you about this, to pick your brain on not only just, you know, the series in general, but like, you know, like the Criterion sales coming up and I know you're such an advocate on that on Twitter. So, um where can people find you um on Twitter if they want to check out what you're doing?
1: I am Phil Four
0: and I definitely recommend people needs to follow you um, because you you know your reviews are pretty good and you're always keeping a um, an ear to the ground on what's coming up and always persuading us to buy movies and boy, does it usually work <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I really recommend my listeners um, tonight to check out Phil's Twitter. It's always put on the link down below. Um, if you ever want to be on this show, I definitely recommend reaching out to us. We have a Twitter page at inside the sequel. Um, you can email the show at the sequel at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter or on Instagram. Um, you can check out the YouTube channel at her reviews. Um, but Phil, once again, man, thanks so much, uh, for being on this show again. So we could talk about such an iconic character and, um, uh, Reminding people that you know this movie Is a sequel <laughs> So that was the that was the end goal there So um again thank you so much For being on here As, um,
1: As usual Chris We should do another one in another month Or two I think we should Try to find something from The 30s
0: Oh boy
1: <laughs> I will Set my uh, I'll come up With some suggestions for you and i'll hit you up with them in a few weeks and you can see what you think
0: oh boy that that'll be interesting i, I will probably get on that to see if there was anything like that back then <laughs> um, there
1: are some that i know of for sure but i'm gonna have to go back and do some homework and um, yeah it's uh oh one that comes to mind right away there were a bunch of thin man movies I don't know if you've seen any of them. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, well, they're classics. And that would be an obvious one. The first one was a, a, like a classic. And then, you know, the sequels weren't... They were really popular. But there were quite a few series movies like that, especially in the 30s and the early 40s, where it would be the same cast. You know, they'd do... The first movie, and then they like have subsequent adventures in the next movie. So they're definitely sequels.
0: Oh, interesting! Yeah, yeah from I will love
1: all, like decades back there that can on what's the what word I'm looking for? Dug up. So I will start searching around. Offer some suggestions.
0: Um, ooh awesome dude i would i would definitely love to check that out um but yeah i definitely recommend people to stick around with this show we got a lot of great um guests coming on besides just awesome phil here but stick around and um remember thank you all for listening to inside the sequel um my name is chris and remember if you're not watching silence of the lamb or hannibal Lecter films do you really even care about cinema anyway we'll see you next time take care